0: Welcome to Creation Radio and TV. I'm your host, Mike Riddle, and we have a ministry called Creation Training Initiative, and our website is creationtraining.org. On that website, you'll find out about our training courses where we come to you and do training, and you'll also find out that we have PowerPoint slides. All my talks, we have our PowerPoint slides on our website for free that you can download. Now, we have a very interesting topic today, quite controversial. It's called the Bible, geology, and time. And we're going to start with a very interesting and critical question. How do scientists use geology to determine time? What do they use to determine this time over these many geologic layers that have been set down, according to evolutionists, over millions and billions of years? Well, Determine time, they use what's called the layers. They use the different layers of strata to determine the many different ages of Earth history. It's called layered strata. But I want to show you there's a big problem with this kind of thinking. I call it a time bomb that's going to blow up this whole entire concept of millions of years of geologic time. In 2012, there was a newsletter that came out on stratigraphy. Now, what is stratamine? Layering, a way of recording different layers. There was a newsletter in 2012, and this newsletter came from three different major people in the field of geology. One was the past chair of the International Commission on Stratigraphy, another was by past secretary general of the committee, and another one was the chair of a subcommission in that field. So, 2012 geologic timescale. What did they say? In that newsletter, they made this statement The new data has revealed that many of the current divisions are either misplaced in terms of global geodynamic events, in practical terms of global correlation, or meaningless in terms of significant lithostratigraphic, biological, and biochemical changes across much of the globe. Now, that big word, lithostratigraphic, what does litho mean? It means rock. So they're saying there's a major problem with determining the ages using the rock layers. And then they continue on with this statement. Continual improvements in data coverage, methodology, and standardization of chronostratigraphic units imply that no geologic timescale can be final. Now, there's another one of those big words, chronostratigraphic. What does chrono mean? Time. In other words, what they're saying is there's no exact way to measure time using these layers. That came right from their own newsletter in 2012. Well, let's carry on from there. Mr. R. R. Lemon, Ph.D., in his book Principles of Stratigraphy, makes this statement. It Stratigraphy provides the means of piecing together a calendar so that world geologic records can be brought together in a coherent whole. Modern stratigraphy would be impossible without biostratigraphic fossil control. What is he saying there? The only way to determine the time of these layers is not the rock layers. It's the life forms, the fossils we find in there. That's what biostratigraphic means. Bio means life. So here he's clearly saying it is not the layers, it is the fossils that determine the age of the layers. So now, let's take on this challenge. Geology and time. How good are the fossils at telling time? How accurate is this method of using the fossils to determine the age of the geologic layers? Well, let's go to the U.S. Geologic Survey. And they make this statement. Key to the relative time scale are examples of index fossils, the forms of life which existed during limited periods of geologic time and thus are used as guides to the age of the rocks in which they are preserved. Did you get what they just said? This is the U.S. Geologic Survey stating this. The rock layers aren't the method we use. It's the life forms or index fossils, fossils that lived during a short period of time then died off, that's what's used to determine the age of these different layers. Well, I want to show you there's some problems here. We're going to do a little what's called critical thinking here. Three critical problems in this method of using fossils as index fossils. Number one, it involves invalid reasoning. Number two, we have things called living fossils. And number three, we have something called out of place fossils. So let's look at number one, invalid reasoning. Dating rocks. How do they determine the age of a rock layer? How do they know how old a particular layer of rocks are in this geologic column? Well, that's easy. What they just told us is not the layers. It's the index fossils that are found in the layers. So they use the index fossils to determine how old the layers are. But wait a minute. How old do we know the fossils are? How do they know how old these fossils are? How do you know the age of the fossils? By the layers they are found in. Did you get what just happened there? This is called circular reasoning. This is invalid logic in this case, folks. Completely invalid logic. This is what evolution is based on, not sound principles. They use the fossils to determine the age of the rocks, but they use the rocks to determine the age of the fossils. It's right there in their own reports, U.S. Geologic Survey. And in that 2012 report, they used the fossils to determine the layers age, but the rocks determine the fossils age. Folks, that is not science. That is far from science. Let's look at number two, the problem: living fossils. These fossils are supposed to live for a short period of time and then died out. So they're called index fossils. Well, let's take a look at some of these so-called index fossils. Let's start with the coelacanth fish. It was supposed to be extinct for about 80 million years. Well, guess what? We found coelacanth fish still living today. In other words, they are unchanged in 80 million years. This is going to evolutionist time now. Not real time, but evolutionist time. They were supposed to be living 80 million years ago, and they're still living today. How can they be used as an index fossil? No change in 80 million years. Then we have the elephant shark. No change in over 420 million years. How can that be used as an index fossil? According to evolutionist timing, they were living 420 million years ago. They're still living today, and there's been no change. Not an index fossil. Crocodiles, no change in over 80 million years. Horseshoe crabs, no change in over 450 million years. The Nautilus, no change in over 500 million years. The Tuatara lizard, no change in over 200 million years. Scorpions, no change in over 360 million years. Jellyfish, no change in over 500 million years. The huntsman spider, their spiders, no change in 50 million years. Dragonflies, no change in over 230 million years. The woolly pine, no change in over 150 million years. Bats, no change in over 50 million years. The starfish, no change in over 150 million years. Folks, index fossils are not index fossils. We have just shown that. These so-called creatures that are supposed to live for a specific time died out. Many of them are still living today with no change. So, invalid logic. Living fossils discredit the whole geologic time scale used by evolutionists. Let's go to number three, called out-of-place fossils. Now, what is an out-of-place fossil? A rock layer is designated for a specific time period often contains fossils from different time periods. There's the problem. See, out of place fossils. Again, index fossils are supposed to be for a specific time. But what we're finding is, in each one of these layers, we're finding fossils all up and down the geologic column. We're finding the same fossil in many different layers. They're out of place. That's what an out-of-place fossil is. We find flowering plants that are out of place, birds out of place in many different geologic layers, dinosaurs in many different geologic layers, mammals and bees in many different geologic layers. Out-of-place fossils show index fossils are not real indicators of age. Michael Lord, MS in atmospheric science and also a researcher in earth science, makes this statement. You may be surprised to learn that fossils are being found in the wrong place all the time. Now, here's a new one. Fossil squid recently found. According to evolution, this was a 150 million year old fossil squid. And what did they find out about it? The squid was discovered to contain a fresh ink sac. In other words, fresh ink was still in this squid and it's 150 million years old. Folks, something is wrong with the evolutionist time scale. It is wrong. Conclusion on living fossils. Let me read this to you. Conclusion on living fossils. With so many fossils that have not changed over the alleged millions of years, plus so many out-of-place fossils, how can index fossils be trusted as a true indicator of time? And don't forget the whole invalid logic or reasoning to come up with time. So we look at the geology and time, index fossils are not a good indicator. So let's go to the other method they can use called radiometric dating. How valid is radiometric dating? Well, we're told in the textbook, we see right there in textbooks, radiometric dating give exact ages, exact times. They're exact forms of dating. That is right out of our textbooks. Well, let's talk about radiometric dating and do Talk about that. Let's talk about dinosaurs in time. Dinosaurs are claimed to have lived from 65 to 220 million years ago. Dinosaurs are dated by the rock layers they're found in, but dinosaurs are also used as index fossils. Did you get that right there? There again is that example of circular reasoning, invalid logic. Now, dinosaurs are also used as a classical proof for evolutionism. Well, we're going to drop another time bomb here. Let's look at the real evidence in dinosaurs. If there's evidence, if there is observable and repeatable evidence that dinosaurs only lived a few thousand years ago and not these alleged millions of years ago, then the whole dating method, radiometric dating method, can be shown to be invalid. So let's drop this time bomb. In the 1990s, scientists discovered Tyrannosaurus rex bones, fossils, that still contained soft tissue in them. The tissue was so soft, you could stretch it and come back together again. They even found red blood cells and blood vessels in this fossil. Now, there's no known method for how soft tissue can last for 65 million years. The only explanations we're getting from the evolution is number one, silence. Don't teach anybody about this. Or number two, there's some unknown process that preserves soft tissue for 65 million years. Folks, that is not based on good observable science. That is based on assumptions and conjecture, but not observable science. The observable science is we have found soft tissue. National Geographic in 2009 made this statement. The fossilized leg of an 80-million-year-old duck-billed dinosaur has yielded the oldest known proteins preserved in soft tissue, including blood vessels and other connective tissue, as well as perhaps blood cell proteins. Folks, right there, we're not only finding soft tissue, we are now finding proteins. Once something dies, those proteins start coming apart rapidly. There's no known process to preserve them for millions and millions of years. The only thing the evolutionists come up with with little ideas that can preserve them for maybe up to two two years. Folks, that's a far stretch to 65 million years. Dinosaur protein. In walking with dinosaurs on the web, they made this statement. Scientists believe they have found unfossilized dinosaur protein from the bones of embryonic animals that died at least 190 million years ago folks, that's insane. That is not science. This is called evolution, but it is not science that's happening. Then in 2012, scientists made another amazing discovery. They discovered dinosaur DNA. That's right. DNA from dinosaurs. And this is supposed to be 65 million years old, Well, what do we know about the facts of DNA? Well, DNA is a very fragile molecule. It has a half-life of about 521 years. That means every 521 years, half the DNA is decomposed. Well, that whole idea means DNA, because it lacks stability, completely refutes the whole idea of dinosaurs living millions of years ago. It does away with the whole radiometric dating method because... DNA can only last a few thousands of years, not millions of years. Then another major time bomb blew up. In 2012, the American Geophysical Union, they made the discovery of carbon 14 still in dinosaurs. What's so amazing about that? Well, we know the carbon 14 dating method was based on an assumption which was proven false many years ago, and that the maximum reliability of carbon 14 dating was only about up to maybe 4000 years. But the fact is they're finding carbon 14 in these dinosaurs. And all the carbon 14 should have decayed out of there after about 100,000 years. Should be no datable carbon 14 whatsoever in these dinosaurs. But let me read to you what they found. Carbon 14 or C14 dating of multiple samples of bone from eight dinosaurs from Texas Alaska, Colorado, and Montana revealed that they're only 22,000 to 39,000 years old. This is not coming from creationists. This is from the evolutionist labs. Now, I don't believe those dates, 22,000 to 39,000 years old, because the maximum reliability is only about 4,000. But the fact is, they're finding an abundant amount of carbon-14 in these bones. That refutes the evolution story, and this is not Due to contamination. Let's read on. Many places now, almost everywhere, they're finding carbon 14 still in the bones. For example, in June 1990, two dinosaur bone fragments were submitted to the Department of Geosciences at the University of Arizona for carbon 14 analysis. The identity of the bones were not disclosed. The bones were dated from 10,000 to 16,000 years old. This is from the own evolutionist labs. And we can rule out contamination. Of course, we're finding this all over the world. The whole world is not contaminated, folks. This either carbon-14 is a completely invalid method for everything, or evolution is wrong. Here's another one. Carbon-14 dating and dinosaurs. Recently, two triceratops horns excavated in 2012 from a site in Montana were sent to the University of Georgia to be carbon-14 dated. They were dated at 33,000 and 41,000 years old. Again, those dates are not true because the assumption was proven false. But the fact is, we're finding an abundant amount of carbon-14 in bones all over the world. Kevin Anderson, Ph.D. in microbiology, in his book Echoes of the Jurassic, makes this statement. The presence of original dinosaur tissue and proteins cannot be merely ignored or marginalized. The strongest and most elegant explanation is that the fossils are not millions of years old. So, let's do a a kind of a summary of what we know about dinosaurs. Since the 1990s, scientists have discovered soft tissue in dinosaur bones, unfossilized dinosaur bones, proteins in dinosaur fossils, red blood cells in dinosaur fossils, DNA in dinosaur fossils, and carbon-14 in dinosaur fossils. Ladies and gentlemen, any one of these is enough to refute evolutionism and the age issue. But all of these taken together is powerful evidence that dating methods do not work and dinosaurs have only been dead for maybe a maximum of a few thousand years. Exactly as the Bible teaches. Kevin Anderson, again, PhD in microbiology, makes this statement. Those who claim the tissue can survive for millions of years face the burden of providing a valid explanation. Otherwise, the far more reasonable explanation is that fossils are simply not that old. Folks, all those Christians out there that have bought into these billions of years, what are they going to do now? That the science does not support what they're saying and neither does the Bible. What are they going to look for now? Here again, Christians John Reed, Ph.D. in geology, in his book, Rocks Aren't Clocks, makes this statement. Christians are often unaware of the philosophical underpinnings of deep time, meaning millions of years, and unknowingly adopt a view that is counter to God's Word. What is he saying there? Too many Christians out there have bought into the world and not God's Word. Now, radiometric dating methods. Here's something else most Christians don't know, and our students aren't taught this either. What do radiometric dating methods really give? What do they really provide us? Jonathan Surfati, PhD in physical chemistry, makes this statement about radiometric dating. Age isn't really measured. Rather, certain processes and amounts of materials are measured, and age is inferred via certain assumptions. Did you get that? Radiometric dating methods do not give an age. What we look at there is different minerals or elements that are still there. Then based on what we find in there, we infer an age based on our worldview using assumptions. In other words, the radiometric dating methods are not real valid forms of dating. Vernon Cupps, PhD in nuclear physics, he works in this field. He works with radiometric dating and he makes this statement. Of the eight assumptions, none can be considered to rigorously hold in all situations. Therefore, dating by this method is at best a hypothesis. Concerning the age of any rock, sweet, or mineral, it is certainly not a scientific fact. Jim Mason, who has a Ph.D. in experimental nuclear physics, makes this statement about radiometric dating methods. The fact that the radiometric ages for rocks of known ages turn out to be so seriously inaccurate is a strong suggestion that one or more of these assumptions is incorrect. What does the evidence show? The observable, repeatable evidence clearly shows the geologic column is not millions of years old, only thousands. The radiometric dating methods have been shown to be invalid. The dinosaur fossils have shown that. The index fossils and time have shown to be circular reasoning, invalid logic. So what do we know? Albert Baylis, PhD, in his book, From Creation to the Cross, makes this statement. If we're going to learn about God through His activity, creation is the best place to start. It was and it is the critical event for a person's worldview. And notice what he's saying here, folks. The first three chapters of Genesis is the foundation for understanding the gospel and the rest of scripture. We can't marginalize that. We can't change God's word. It is so foundational that if we don't believe the first three chapters of real history, we don't have a foundation for the gospel. We don't know why Jesus Christ even had to go to the cross, suffer and die on that cross and be raised from the dead. We have no foundation for the hope that we have anymore. This is the critical issue. Jeffrey Tompkins, who has a Ph.D. in genetics, makes this statement. It seemed obvious to me that if I accepted the New Testament message of Christ's life, death, and resurrection, that I must also accept the biblical revelation regarding six-day creation. He sees the importance of believing God's Word and not changing it. Van Van Tell, who has a Ph.D. in physics, makes this statement. If the story of the fall of man is mythology, then there is no need... For a plan of salvation. This is so simple, folks. God's Word is so simple to understand these first three chapters. Even scientists understand it. So why are so many Christian groups, why are so many pastors out there abandoning God's Word? Because they're being trained in a lot of our universities not to trust God's Word. We need to have pastors with courage, honor, and commitment. We need to have Christians with courage, honor, and commitment out there to God's Word and not man's wisdom. Stop trusting your own wisdom and start trusting God's wisdom. So let's bring this down to three strong conclusions. Conclusion number one is a warning, a warning to all Christians out of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, and states this. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. That is a great description for what's happening in many churches today, especially in our Christian universities. They're turning their ears away from God's Word and turning to these fables like evolutionism. Conclusion number two is a warning. The Gospel of John chapter 5, verse 46 and 47. And God's Word makes this statement. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Well, Moses is author of the first five books of the Bible. And here's Jesus saying, if you don't believe what Moses wrote down, and incidentally, all God's word is God-breathed. Yes, men wrote it down, but it was all under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It does not have errors and does not need to be changed. And finally, conclusion number three, the very words of Jesus Christ to his followers. In John, the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 17, makes this statement. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Jesus is confirming there that every part of his word, every part of the Bible is true. In other words, the history starting in Genesis 1-1 is true. It is all God breathed. It need not be changed. I'm Mike Riddle from Creation Training Initiative. Our website, again, is creationtraining.org creationtraining.org. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can email us at info, that's I-N-F-O at creationtraining.org. I-N-F-O at creationtraining.org. You'll find many things on our website. My PowerPoint slides are free for download. We have many videos, and we have our training courses out there. We have one-day training classes. We have a five-day training class. If you'd like to find out more about those, these training courses are for teens and above. Basic creation training class, one-day advanced apologetics. We even have training for teachers, for Sunday school teachers, for Christian school teachers on how to teach these concepts of biblical creation and apologetics. So if you want us to come to your location, your church, just contact us at info at creationtraining.org. Again, I'm Mike Riddle from Creation Training Initiative. Thank you, and God bless. Our online videos are free for anyone to view or download. However, it does take finances to continue producing these programs. If these lessons have been helpful, you might consider supporting the Ministry of Creation Training Initiative. You can mail a check to CTI, Post Office Box 2415, Eagle, Idaho, 83616. Or you can go to our website, creationtraining.org, and make your donations that way. Your donations of $20, $100 or more will enable us to continue to share the good news of God's Word worldwide. As it states in Jeremiah 32, 17, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Thank you and God bless.